3: The right to vote is so important. It's the most important right we have as Americans. I think it's important that people take personal ownership of what's happening in this country. For Democrats, the top issue is political corruption and leadership. For Republicans, the biggest problem facing the country is immigration.
2: Not everybody has the right across the world to vote, and we were given that, so we should take advantage of it. Texas is positioned to play a key role. That should drive a lot of people to the polls.
1: Well, Super Tuesday is just around the corner. Texans. We've already started going to the polls for early voting. The March 3rd party primaries are coming up. Thanks for joining us. I'm John Little along with Stephen Pickering. Good to have you here. Welcome to another edition of KRLD In Depth. So Texas is one of 14 states that are going to vote on Super Tuesday Democrats are choosing their candidate to challenge President Trump this fall, and it's still a really crowded field.
0: Yeah, John, there's also a lengthy ballot in Texas. Early voting started back on February 18th. We sent out KRLD's Bailey Friday to a polling place. She found a lot of people who were eager to cast their ballots.
2: We're gifted with that right to actually have say. So it's important to get out there and make sure we do it. And so in this election in particular, what's important to you? I think really from our state legislature perspective is making sure that we have the a voice that I support there, as well as putting together for the primary candidates and the what's going to be with the Senate race, things like that. I think the big key for me in recent years is understanding the importance of being involved with the community grassroots elections because it all filters up. And not just showing up to vote for the presidential election. Do you
4: think it's important for people to vote?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It's your right, and you ought to exercise that right. Not every country has this right, and so because you have it here, use it. What motivates you to get out here and vote early? Everyone
3: should vote. It's Americans' right to vote, and it's our also our obligation. So uh, take advantage of, use your voice and vote. doesn't matter what your opinion is, it's important to get out and vote and make certain your opinion counts. It's important for you to get out here and to uh, practice your civil duty. Get involved in elections and vote for people who you identify with more in terms of values and ideology you can't just complain about what's going on and then not do anything you have to actually get out there and take action and do something
1: so there's a lot of interest this year the presidential race obviously at the top of the ticket anytime there's a presidential race that's going to be a big thing people are thinking about so, Steve, is Texas going to play a, a big role in selecting the nominee for the Democratic Party?
0: Well, Texas does have the second largest number of delegates at stake on Super Tuesday, right behind California. I spoke with SMU political science professor Matthew Wilson about the importance of Texas in the Super Tuesday primaries and the expected voter turnout. I think turnout in general will be quite high.
2: Democrats uh, certainly have a very competitive nomination race, and therefore Texas is positioned to play a key role. That should drive a lot of people to the polls. On the Republican side, we've seen in the states that have gone so far a lot more enthusiasm and turnout than is typically the case in an essentially uncontested primary contest. Uh, I think the Trump campaign has put some emphasis on that. So I think we will see very high turnout and excitement uh, surrounding the election this year.
0: So, what's the big prize on Super Tuesday? is going to be a big concern for Democrats or are they more concerned with California, where they've got more Democratic voters?
2: California is going to play the largest role. It's the largest state. It's the largest trove of Democratic delegates. But on Super Tuesday, Texas will be the next prize. And it will be significant because multiple candidates could be competitive in this state. It's a diverse state with lots of different constituencies of Democratic voters. And so I think a lot of people's eyes will be on Texas and how the delegates shake out here. Uh, so
0: it'll be a big story on election night. Now, given the divided nature of the Democratic field, can Super Tuesday produce a clear winner? It certainly does have the potential. I would say the
2: one variable there is that if Biden performs poorly in South Carolina, you could see him wind up his campaign. Uh, I think that if Biden cannot do well in a state where the majority of the voters are African-American, where is he going to do well? So he needs a a strong showing there but assuming he gets a strong showing there uh, and goes on to super tuesday I doubt that Super Tuesday will be sufficiently clarifying to just clear the field for anybody uh, because there are states on Super Tuesday where Sanders would appear to have the advantage. There are states on Super Tuesday where Bloomberg is polling quite strong. There are uh, states on Super Tuesday with very, very heavy African-American populations where you would expect Joe Biden to do well. Uh, And then you've got uh, Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg who have some momentum, could try to parlay that into uh, some stronger finishes than they're currently polling in the Super Tuesday states. Uh, the person who I think is really in trouble is Elizabeth Warren. Uh, it's hard to see where she breaks through at this point. You know, None of the Super Tuesday states, aside from her own home state of Massachusetts, seem especially well calibrated for her. Um, There's not a lot of momentum behind her campaign right now. So if you look at among that top tier of candidates, whose campaign is it hardest right now to envision the way forward for, I think it's Elizabeth Warren.
0: I've seen a couple of articles in the past few weeks where some Democratic political operatives in Texas and consultants have been quoted as saying that there's some concern among insiders in the Texas Democratic Party that a strong showing by liberal Bernie Sanders might actually not be great for down ballot races in Texas, that is uh, more moderate Texas voters might be alienated somewhat by Bernie Sanders at the top of the ticket.
2: Yeah, there's some real concern that the kinds of House districts that Democrats took in 2018, in the Dallas suburbs, the Houston suburbs, etc., could really be imperiled if Bernie Sanders were at the top of the Democratic ticket, because while those suburban voters uh, may be fairly negative towards Trump, they're not ready to embrace socialism. And if that's the choice that people are presented with in the fall, it makes it much more difficult for Democrats to hold on to those seats than if they had a more conventional, more centrist Democratic nominee.
0: My observation has been that while the Democrats have been having a debate about the moderate versus farther left candidates in their party, on the other side, Republicans don't seem to be that concerned with appealing to moderates at all, at least in the congressional primaries. Most of the candidates there are battling to claim being the closest to President Trump. Well, in a sense, although Donald
2: Trump is difficult to classify. Trump is not necessarily the most conservative Republican. In fact, on some issues, uh, Trump is much closer to the center or towards traditional Democratic positions on things like trade, for example, on things like not promoting entitlement reform. Ted Cruz would be a much more conventional conservative choice. Uh, Trump is extreme in terms of personality and manner and demeanor. And so I think that what we've seen is, on the Republican side, a willingness to adopt an unorthodox style, an extremism of style, if you will, as opposed to necessarily embracing the most right-wing candidate.
0: At the congressional level, Republican Kay Granger of Fort Worth is facing a primary challenge from businessman Chris Putnam, who's accused her of not being conservative enough, while Granger has been stressing her endorsement from President Trump.
2: One of the issues that has been raised in that race is the the depth and sincerity of Kay Granger's pro-life convictions. So there's been some mention of the abortion issue in that race. Uh, but generally speaking, I think she's in pretty safe shape. Uh, certainly having President Trump's visible endorsement in that sense is going to be pretty valuable. But there's always the danger of this anti-incumbent, anti-establishment mood that exists on both the Democratic and the Republican side. It's what propelled Trump. It's what's propelling Bernie Sanders. And so... Candidates associated with the traditional party establishments
0: like Kay Granger uh, do need to be a little bit nervous. Democrats will be choosing a nominee to challenge Senator John Cornyn this fall. There are 12 candidates seeking the nomination. A couple of them, including former Congressman Chris Bell of Houston and current state Senator Royce West of Dallas, have won elections. But M.J. Hager has been advertising heavily. Is there any leading contender in that race? Chris Bell has run
2: a statewide campaign, not a successful one, but he ran for governor. So he's got some statewide name recognition based on that. Of course, of course Royce West has uh, roots in the African-American community, could draw on that support, uh, which will be a important Democratic primary constituency. So there are advantages there. I think the National Party sees Hagar as probably their best chance uh, to have an upset Senate victory, here in Texas. So I think that's where the kind of weight of the institutional sentiment is. We'll see
0: how that plays out with the voters.
1: Uh, That's a gaggle uh, in the Senate race there. So what happens in that race if none of those candidates get more than 50 percent of the vote?
0: Well, in that uh, Senate race there for the Democratic Party's Senate nominee, uh, the top two candidates will go to a runoff. And out of 12 candidates, there's not likely to be any one that gets a majority. So the date for that runoff election will be Tuesday, May the 26th. And that also applies to Texas House districts, state Senate districts and U.S. congressional seats where no candidate gets a majority on March the 3rd.
1: I, it all makes for a lot for election officials to have to keep track of.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. And uh, the county election. Election officials are working year-round to prepare for these big election days. That'll include training staffers and volunteers and, of course, making sure all the equipment works properly. Now, I spoke with the Collin County Elections Administrator, Bruce Sherbet, about the voting system that they adopted in Collin County last year and what kind of turnout he's expecting for the primaries.
4: We're looking at right now probably between 30 and 35% turnout. For the primary. That's a good turnout. It's it's a little bit higher than average. We'll probably end up with about 200,000 voters by the end of the period. That's probably what you'd expect for a high-interest presidential primary election.
0: As I've watched Texas since we've gone to the extended early voting, what I've noticed is that in a lot of elections, it winds up being essentially 50-50. That is, 50% of the people who are going to vote vote early, and then you get another 50% on Election Day. Have you guys seen any kind of data trends in that area?
4: Well, this county loves its early voting. I can tell you that to give you some examples. In the last presidential election, the the November general election, we voted 83 percent of our voters voted early. In the midterm elections in November two years ago, we voted 81 percent of our vote early. We topped the state out of all 254 counties. In Collin County, voting a higher percentage of the turnout being early versus Election Day. And primaries, are a little different than that. Primaries, you tend to drop that down to about 60%, maybe. Sometimes 55 to 65% of your overall vote is going to be early vote in a primary.
0: Is that an effort that you guys have put in, or the parties have put in, or is that just kind of the way that it's, uh, it's shaped up?
4: It's the way it's shaped up. Uh, we have some competition in that regard uh, Williamson County. They have a very high turnout of their early voting and percentage. Uh, We're usually neck to neck with them. So, some of the other counties, a little bit more dynamic type counties, will see that trending where voters just get it done earlier than waiting for election day.
0: You guys here in Collin County have sort of been the leaders in making it easier for people to conveniently vote.
4: We were probably one of the first four or five counties in the state to implement vote center models in this county. in in 2009. And uh, we have been doing it successfully for this is in the 11th year of doing it. It's very popular. It makes sense because if early voting, you can pick whichever location you want to go vote. It just makes sense if, if you can do it on election day, you keep that same model. Technology has advanced so much over the last few years that it's made it pretty easy for even the large counties like the Barry counties, the Dallas counties, the Tarrant counties, the Harris counties to all participate with this vote center. I saw somewhere the other day that about 78 percent of the voters that will be casting ballots in Texas will be in a county process with vote centers.
0: What's the feedback been like up here? Uh, you've been doing it for more than 10 years. I'm sure that people have let you know whether they like it or don't like it. It's just obvious
4: that the feedback has been very positive especially over the years. Voters have just become accustomed to it. And to go back to traditional type polling places on Election Day would probably be a very problematic situation. It's it's one of those things, just like early voting, vote centers just make sense. They're convenient, voters love it. It's money well spent to accommodate it. So I just think it's one of those pluses that we
0: have in our world of elections. You guys basically adopted a uh, relatively new system. It looks like last year, but you've gone through at least one election with that. So this is not the first time that voters will be seeing this new system.
4: That's correct. We had our first maiden voyage of our new voting system in the November 19 general election, constitutional amendment election. And uh, it it was just a very, very good system rollout. This is our second large election with the system. Uh, It has a paper verifiable ballot, which is something we didn't have for probably 16 years before that. So we're getting very positive feedback from voters liking the new system. It's a hybrid voting system. You vote on a touchscreen to actually mark your ballot when you're reviewed and ready to print your ballot, you just hit print, it prints your selections. That is your official ballot of record, that piece of paper. And that piece of paper is then deposited through a ballot counter that will actually do the initial tabulation of your votes. You know, it, it really is true that we the metamorphosis of voting systems have improved every year from all the way back to, from lever machines, the big old heavy mechanical machines, to punch card ballots, which were the premier voting system for many years, and then optical scan onto strictly touchscreen voting. And now, now something that we call a hybrid, which is taking the best of both worlds, meaning the best of touchscreen, which is a very solid type of methodology where you can protect voters from overvoting their ballots, from mismarking their ballots, so that they can vote on a screen that doesn't allow them to make mistakes they're not intending to do. And then the verifiability of a paper ballot To show the tangible proof of what you've done on that screen is really taking truly the best of two kinds of technologies and marrying them together and and the accuracy is as as good as it's ever been in that regard
0: and i'm sure that you guys have a pretty robust security apparatus here there's probably security threats out there that people didn't even think of five years ago we
4: treat it with the utmost respect and importance uh, to make sure that we're secure one thing that a lot of voters may not know is all of our voting equipment, I'm talking voting equipment, there's no internet connection in or out. They're air-gapped, there are standalone systems, even the counting systems, there's no internet connection in or out. So physical security is your utmost security in a voting system, chain of custody, end to end, in early voting, making sure everything is sealed every night, record it, that you have everything locked up as good as possible. We're highly aware of our need to keep on top of it and making sure nothing nothing makes us vulnerable in that area. And uh, I think state of Texas does a really good job in making sure from our state level down that everybody understands that importance.
1: All right. So, Steve, we've looked at the voting process and some of the races this year on the ballot. So. What are some of the big issues that are motivating voters this election season?
0: Well, not surprisingly, it is split based on party affiliation. Now, there was a recent survey done by the Texas Politics Project at UT Austin. KRLD Austin Bureau Chief Chris Fox spoke with Professor Jim Henson about their findings.
3: We asked people what the most important issue facing the country is. Political corruption and leadership tops the list overall at 16 percent and then health care with 10 percent. When you drill down though and you look at the differences in partisans, they're very striking. So uh, for Democrats, the top issue is political corruption and leadership, which is seen as the most important issue facing the country by more than a fifth of Democrats at 22 percent. Only 11 percent, not surprisingly, of Republicans see that as the main problem. For Republicans, the, the biggest problem facing the country is immigration first and border security second. Together, a quarter of Republicans think those are the, the top two problems in the country. And I think we're seeing that quite a bit in, in the tone of both of both campaigns. I think when you drill down just a little further, you see that the second most prominent important issue among Democrats is health care at fifteen percent. And as you look at the the discussion nationally, health care is what uh Democrats are focusing on when they're not, you know, underlining the fact that Donald Trump has gotta go. According to the poll, just six percent of Texas Republicans find health care to be a top issue. It's not something that's getting as much attention from major political figures, starting with Donald Trump, as some of these other issues and the like immigration and border security. And there's a real chicken and egg question here. I mean, this is not all Donald Trump, despite the fact that it feels that way in a presidential election year with his reelection front and center. Um, Donald Trump rode on these kinds of attitudes towards immigration and border security in his first campaign. He's continued to talk about those issues and to stoke Republican concerns about it. And so it pushes out other things, even if they are, Seemingly part of the day to day experience of Republicans. You also have to remember that, you know, Republicans on the whole tend to be a bit more affluent and perhaps a little less vulnerable to these kinds of health care issues.
2: Climate change is the fifth top issue on the minds of Texas voters, according to the poll, and that's driven mostly by Democrats, as 0% of Republicans even considered it.
3: Well, we, you know, we polled on this in, on, on climate change in our October poll and found that while There's a tendency among younger Republicans to both accept the reality of climate change and to have concerns about it. By and large, climate change is is not an issue on the agenda of mainline Republicans, and particularly Republicans over 40. And for my last question, I asked Henson what jumped out at him in the poll. The views of the president are so deeply determined by partisanship. And when you look at these political corruption and leadership numbers at both the the national and the state levels and how people are applying them to political leaders, it's more evidence that we've gone from mere partisanship into a situation in which... A big share of voters and not all of them, but a lot of them, you know, probably a fifth or more in each party view leaders of the other party, not just as incorrect or someone they don't agree with, but as corrupt and illegitimate. And it's a problem and it's defining the tone of our politics right now.
1: So it's sounding like the political divide that is affecting the entire nation. We keep hearing about it. It's also a very real factor here in Texas as well.
0: Yeah, John, that is uh, just one of the things that's driving voters. Uh, But one thing that all of the people that KRLD spoke with earlier this month agreed on was the importance of voting.
1: Yeah, I think this voter summed it up pretty well here.
0: It's your right and you ought to exercise that right. Not every country has this right. And so because you have it here use it
1: so that's the texas primaries early voting runs through february 28th and then election day is coming up on march 3rd for stephen pickering bailey friday and chris Fox, i'm john little we invite you to subscribe to our podcast kRLD in depth you can get it on our website kRLD.com and really anywhere you get your podcast thank you so much for listening to us today you can also tune in on the radio for breaking news traffic and weather